Hello, everyone. Welcome to Word with Dr. Michael David Clay. It's probably not been that long ago. Well, for my case, it has. <laughs> but we all have had an experience not too long ago, or that certainly isn't beyond our ability or capability of remembering, when we first started dating and how our friends had much to say about those choices that we were making in potential, I guess, partners. Significant others, as we like to call them, in the business. And whether that was to the good or the bad or advantage or disadvantage, all dependent on a lot of factors, most of which were selfish. But even then, (laughs) oddly enough, our friends kind of knew a little bit better about us than even we knew about ourselves. And why would they not? After all, they were our persons, the people that we chose, uh, mostly because we couldn't take it to our family at the time. But now, as we're getting older, and uh, as we've probably gone through several more partners, and some of you, much like me, have been in a marriage or a committed relationship for any number of years, could be even a lifetime, we can look back and think, Well, our friends and now our family, since we've had to kind of introduce them if we were going to maintain those relationships as contacts with our family, uh, as it would be from childhood through adolescence and early adulthood and, again, possibly multiple (laughs) committed relationships and maybe even multiple marriages, Uh, our family has probably, in the same way our friends, come to appreciate who we are and maybe have really had more to say, that we might hate to admit it, with whether or not we're getting into a good situation, uh, picking the right person, and maybe, to some extent, if we listened a little bit better, we could have stayed out of some of the bad situations some of the difficulties that having learned all of that trial and error experientially, we could have maybe spared ourselves just by listening to what they had to say. Psychology Today, November, December 20 of 23. Do your friends like your partner? You should hope they do. By Wendy Patrick, J.D., Ph.D., a trial attorney, a behavioral analyst, and the author of the book, Red Flags. Bringing a new partner into your social network firms up relational bonds and ensures the presence of a support system that can serve as an objective sounding board for discussing potential conflicts. But such integration is more complicated when you're dating someone on and off, particularly if that roller coaster romance leaves you emotionally spent. Are our friends more tolerant of our rockier romantic relationships? Not always. 
When you invite your on-again, off-again partner to a holiday dinner, don't expect the same warm reception that they received on their first introduction. They may be a point, or there may be a point, when a friend or relative conveys resistance to hearing repeated complaints about the same partner, and verbally or non-verbally, suggest that it's time for you to move on. New research suggests a lack of friendly support for less than stable romantic relationships can have a surprisingly significant influence on their demise. Concerns about your match. Family members and good friends are invested in your health and happiness and, by extension, the fitness of your relationships. They are thrilled to see you with a good match who brings out the best in you and will cheer both of you on as you step into the future together. When friends and relatives disapprove of your relational choices, however, they are much less inclined to offer unconditional support. Research led by Renee Daly of the University of Texas corroborates this experience. The team examined friend support from the perspective of the friend who was most familiar with the romantic relationship. They reasoned that friends are likely to have a higher degree of contact with both partners in a dating relationship than family members, particularly among younger adults. In addition, they note Friends can actually be better predictors of relationship stability than the dating partners themselves. And dating relationships may have a larger impact on friendships than on family connections because a lack of support for a dating relationship could lead to the end of a relationship, excuse me, of a friendship. Prior research had suggested that partners in on-off relationships perceived less approval from friends and family as compared with steadier couples and that approval decreased as relational renewals increased. Daly's team surmised that perhaps Friends and family of couples in on-off relationships become increasingly pessimistic about the sustainability of a connection that continually needed to be renewed. In addition, concerned friends and family members might become more circumspect in supporting a friend in an on-off relationship, excuse me, partnership, and may just prefer a permanent end to the romance. Daly's team found that partners in on-off dating relationships reported less support from friends that did non-cyclical partners. Introducing a romantic interest to a family to family and friends can be flattering to your partner. It's a step that often advances and deepens a relationship, but friendships and family connections will likely outlive unstable romances. And if they're looking out for you, their subtle influence may speed a breakup. Again, Psychology Today, 
November, December 2023. Do your friends like your partner? You should hope they do by Wendy Patrick, J.D., Ph.D., a trial attorney, behavioral analyst, and the author of Red Flags. Friends can be better predictors of a relationship stability than the dating partners themselves. Now, I failed to mention in the intro, or as I did mention, long-term sustained relationships in the intro, (laughs) even those can be on and off, and even within that definition of a committed relationship or marital relationship, you can have plenty of really good times, so to speak, or plenty of really bad times, so to speak, and have the same effect, at least when it comes to the opinion of your friends and your family, as then they might be, or that might be, as their (laughs) approval or disapproval of the significant other, the partner, the husband, the wife, the spouse, either is... (laughs) in ascent or descent into the territory of, again, a good thing or a bad thing as they would see it for you. And the author points this out. We would presume that most family, coming from fairly normal, and that's questionable, family constellation, uh, maybe there needs to be some mention or notion of adaptability and functionability, your home of origin, which then constitutes your family. And then that also speaks much to who we might choose as friends. Based on what we've learned, relationships are like and about, how we communicate, how we show respect how we have empathy, even perspective-taking for our friends. Do they, as a product of social learning, do they imitate or mimic what we grew up with? All of that can be important, even socioeconomically, culturally. We're attracted to friends based on social learning, what we grew up with, what we were modeled and exampled, in childhood and through adolescence. And that probably also speaks then to our potential partners. But simply because you're in a committed relationship does not mean it has it can't be, it has to be stable or better. It can be reflecting dysfunction, reflective of dysfunction that we grew up with. It can even be in that same sort of a way, a catalyst for dysfunction between our family, friends, and our significant others, our partners. But I think the author presumes that coming from a fairly normal and healthy childhood family constellation, still, are they a good match or not? And hopefully not only a good match, but are they fairly functional? Uh, Will the relationship then be functional as much as your upbringing, your home of origin, your family of origin was functional? All of that said, 
I do think that that makes sense. They may be able to see that partner and then the circumstances, the situations you might encounter, the troublesome ones, much more clearly than you. You may also be under the sway of infatuation. And with that, maybe the younger you are, the more you're experimenting, but maybe you don't see it through the mind's eye of experience. I'd like to believe the more relationships you would have, the greater the chance or likelihood, at some point probability, predictability, that you might have a stable relationship further down the line, later in life even, simply because you make better choices. But I think we all know that that isn't always necessarily true. When it comes to significant other relationships, whether the product of denial or it's so insidious that we can't see the forest for the trees, we can't see the obviousness of the potentials for dysfunction and <laughs> disorder manifest or played out. Uh, our friends might be able to do that better. Our family might be able to do that better. And we should at least <laughs> ask for their input or should they be, even if we don't ask, inclined to offer input. Maybe we should heed the warnings a bit because they may see it much more objectively. Not subject to the same whatever goes into infatuation, idealism, optimism. Uh, there's all the physical dimensions, too, that go with it when you fall in love. But generally speaking, after all that wears off, you get to the real nitty-gritty, as they used to call it. So you get to see the relationship for what it really is. At that point, you may have had your fill of it. And at that point, too, you may have gone so far into it, taking yourself out of it is going to be equally painful. And there's a lot of individuals that when they get to that point, decide to go ahead and ride it out. Because the cost, even should it be a wise move long term, maybe there isn't so much long ahead of them as there is behind them. Time-wise, they decide, well, I'll just live with it. The financial costs are too great. The emotional costs are too great. The impact on kids, children, that may be a product of that relationship, too great. It's not worth it. So making a good decision, making a good choice, taking that data in, soliciting the opinions even of others, Seeing it within some objectivity or lens of objectivity and realism, all would be helpful. And friends and family may represent that. They may not also represent that or they may also not represent that. But you can hopefully be able to discern whether it's credible, their opinion, or whether it is out of their own dysfunction, uh, maybe selfishness, whatever that makes it hard for them to be happy for you and want to see you succeed. But if you can make that primary sort of, in that primary sort of way, that distinction, then their input can be really valuable. 
not only to predicting what the future might look like in such a relationship, but even so, along the way, once you've stepped into a committed relationship, trying to mitigate some of that on-off, or even so, not sharing so much of that, those intimate private details in such the broadest of ways within the family or even the friend group might be helpful not to hold back, but just be careful not to engage them, especially if it's more temporary, temporal, the up and the down. Uh, Learn to ride that out within yourself be psychologically a healthier or stronger person, to not depend on the support of others so much as with alienating than anyone, family, friends, from your significant other, that in the long run is probably going to be wise as well. And should the family and friends group be healthy themselves, they're going to probably say that. Uh, I don't want to hear about all of this up and down. I've heard some of it already. It's just what happens in loving relationships. Once the infatuation wears off, you're going to have high points and low points. Maybe we don't need to ride them all out with you. Or if you will, would want to and will, to share with just a few really important, identifiably so, important resources. Maybe a family member who is really your go-to and can see it objectively and in that not get themselves, get caught up in all of the emotions and the emotional roller coaster of temporal. The moment, maybe friends, But I think in mass, (laughs) larger numbers, it becomes harder, more difficult. And because there are so many intimate sort of moments over the course of one's life where you're sharing your significant other with your family and friends, you may want to hold off on telling them all of the Bad, or as in the moment that you're in, you might see it as really negative and bad. You may not want to share it with them for fear that it might then be something easier for you to forgive than it will be for them. And especially if it is forgivable, even if you don't feel like it is at the time, practice some temperance some patience, and work it out. I do think that that is the great advantage of relationship counseling, is that if you come see someone, such as myself, who can provide that forum where both parties, you and your significant other, can be truly honest and straightforward, who can then offer you, or in that circumstantial situational context of the counseling service or 
scenario. You can be yourself, they can be themselves. And in that offer not only objectivity, feedback that's objective, but to do that fairly. And to be able to not be so concerned about either parties, yours or the others, happiness or well-being, or so quick to defend that they might then go on the offensive, as with family and friends, when they perceive that the other is trying to harm you, then that could afford you then the blessing or the positive of them not only being objective, but can be a good mediator, taking up both positions as far as understanding them and presenting them in a fair and equally distributed way with positive regard and concern for both parties is what I'm trying to capture. And then could possibly even more so assist in negotiating some of the more difficult points, pointing out even the idea of empathy and perspective taking when you need it the most, reminding you, let's make sure we're understanding each other's feelings and their thoughts reciprocally, your thoughts, their thoughts, in such a way that at least you can recommit to rapport, reestablish rapport, in such a way that you can work through it. And all of that within psychological counseling context without having to involve family members and friends. Keeping them out of that relationship, your significant other relationship, those romantic relationships, you probably would learn that pretty early on too. It's likely not wise if you can avoid it. And should the resource be there and the opportunity present itself, and you're speaking to, by the way, someone who is purportedly, by training, well-versed and knowledgeable of the essentials of sound relationships, negotiation, communication, rapport building, problem solving, being empirical and objective when you need it the most, offering up mutual support, how the two of you can learn to create or recreate or recreate that at home. (laughs) That is of great advantage. That's why they have the degrees. That's why they have the professional certifications and licensure. That's why you would go to see them and really take advantage of that in the healthiest of ways. So it seems right that your friends and your family should like your partner, but it seems more than you should hope they do. You can almost kind of stack the odds in your favor, if you want to call it that, or increase the likelihood that they will by not involving them in those type of negotiations or 
that particular aspect of the relationship dynamic. Not that we'd want it to be superficial, but even so, that would remove that once you determine your significant other or this is a committed relationship and a keeper. Then they can begin to form their own relationships independent of your up and down movements, gyrations within the relationship. And in that same sort of a way, they might be able to get the best They may not be put in a conflicted situation where they may actually like your significant other, even if you don't. And then that creates the alienation, not between them and your your partner, but them and you. And I've seen that happen sometimes. I think the article holds a lot of credibility. It gives us a lot to think about. But even so, I'm hopeful that should you not seek psychological relationship counseling that the podcast itself gives you a little bit to work with and to work off of. And should you do get to that place where mutually the two of you would agree that talking to someone in the position that I'm in or someone who could offer all of those advantages that psychological counseling does, that you would reach out. Once again, Psychology Today offers a very good directory of providers uh, geographically that are close to you. We've already discussed that on previous podcasts. If you're familiar with the podcast, you know they also offer virtual, which kind of removes the geography. You get to see their background, their credential, their perspective even as much as they would share their approaches. And you can make a really good choice and decision. Should you want to reach out to me, I'd be glad to assist in that in any way I can, either to help you find somebody or should it be something that I could do or help you with directly, I'd want to do that as well. You can contact me at drmdclay at thewordhouse.com. You can find me or us at thewordhouse.com on Facebook and YouTube at Wordhouse. You can call 304-523-WORD-9673 or you can come back and join us for our next edition of Word with Dr. Michael David Clay. We drop it weekly, the podcast that is. And uh, again, hope that it's helpful and beneficial, at least to you getting started, if you should need any assistance to take those first steps. And maybe in just an educational, informational sort of way, I could provide you some general information, or I do provide you some general information that maybe is in itself preventative. Either way, I do want to thank you for joining us and want to wish you the best in terms of mind health, mental health just general health, and uh, again, just invite you back. Until we get a chance to talk again, thanks.